Hello again. Welcome back to Lux Sci, a podcast to reignite your wonder by exploring the science behind luxury items. I'm your podcast host, Dr. Lux, PhD, infectious disease expert, and avid fan of a faux animal print clothing item. I'm joined by my co-host, Demos, or I should say Dr. Demos, also a PhD, electrical engineer, and I think someone who has never worn an animal print in his life. Is that correct? I have never worn an animal print in my life. <laughs> uh, animal prints of all kinds have long been a part of fashion, fading in and out of what's current, but never being wholly out of fashion. Personally, I think there's always something classic about a chic leopard print, and it can even be used as a neutral since it pairs well with so many colors and even with other prints. Fortunately, actual leopard skin is no longer used since leopards are a very endangered species. Well, leopards are members of the cat family Felidae, genus Panthera. They have a wide range, including Sub-Saharan Africa, Western and Central Asia, Southern Russia, and throughout Southeast and East Asia, but they estimate that they only occupy 25% of the original range. So they used to be almost everywhere. What happened to all the leopard? Well, I think we happened. Humans. Yeah. Humans happened. The fur of a leopard is actually doesn't have spots on it. It has rosettes. What's a rosette? It's a cluster of spots that looks like a flower. Oh, cool. Panthers have rosettes with a spot in the middle. Hmm. Yeah. And the rosettes are circular pattern in East African leopards and more square shaped in Southern African leopards and and they're larger in Asian leopards. And there's a unique rosette pattern for each leopard, sort of like a leopard fingerprint. Wow. Yeah. The coloration of leopards also varies by habitat with cream to yellowish coloring in arid regions and darker gold in mountainous and forest habitat. And just to note that black panthers are actually leopards with a recessive allele or a recessive gene that causes the black color. Now you have me wondering, like, are zebras also all, like, have their own fingerprint, if you will? I think so, yeah. Hmm. So, fun fact, leopards can run up to 36 miles per hour. Not bad. Well, that's fast enough to chase down a human. Yes, but not an Olympic speed skater. Well, I would think that having the skates would really be the the advantage there. (laughs) Probably. As you can tell, we've been watching a lot of Olympics. The oldest leopard fossils are recorded from Europe and are estimated to be about 600,000 years old. And given the age of these fossils, it's not a stretch to think that humans have hunted leopards and used their skins for quite some time. In more recent Western history, the Greek god Dionysus... Did I say that right? You sure did. All right. Was always depicted wearing leopard skins. In the Benin Empire in Africa, leopards were commonly used in carvings and sculpture and symbolized the power of the king. The Ashanti similarly used the leopard as a symbol of leadership and only the king was allowed to use a ceremonial leopard stool. In more recent fashion history, from a great article by Culture Whisperer, uh, it's a blog that I found, Christian Dior and Levin were advocates for the print in the 1920s. In the 1940s, we saw the first use of leopard print in lingerie. In the 1950s, there was an uptick of leopard print fur coats, unfortunately, like the actual fur, not the fake one. Yeah. In the 60s, there's the first use of faux animal fur, and Diane von Furstenberg introduced her iconic wrap dress in 1974, with leopard print being one of the options. The 80s wasn't as big on leopard print, but it came roaring back with the Azadine alias 1991 collection, and there it has stayed since as one of the iconic fashion prints, even though you've never worn one. I know that some Sometimes bike clothing. I like road biking. Sometimes you can get some strange prints. Yeah, probably not leopard though. Although we will talk about later why leopard is actually very easy for us to see. Oh, okay. But did you know 
how leopards get their spots, or rosettes, I should say. They earn them. <laughs> no, you'll like this part. It was mathematical super genius Alan Turing who first came up with the equation to explain how chemical reactions produce patterns in mammals, including leopard spots. Turing noticed that when a leopard is born, the skin contains pigment cells that secrete chemicals called morphogens. These are thought to diffuse pigment cells and react to produce color, mostly black, brown, or yellow, red. Research published in Physical Review Journal and highlighted on LiveScience.com showcased how this basic equation has been adapted to determine how the markings change from simple spots when the leopards are young to rosettes in adults. So, I'm Alan Turing. Away. Yeah, I'm Alan Turing. Alan Turing. I just, I never knew that he did that. Me either. I always sort of uh, associate him with um, code breaking and things like that. Yeah, well, really the Turing test, right? Oh, yeah, for, for artificial, artificial intelligence. intelligence. Yeah. Well, maybe there's a Turing test for leopard print. <laughs> Anyway, so morphogens are signaling molecules that act over long distances to induce response in cell. So in cells, so res- responses are based on the concentration of the morphogen that the cells interact with. So it's a gradient of reaction based on how far the morphogen has to travel. So the researchers in this paper, Sai Seng Liao et al. from Oxford University's Mathematical Institute, was Turing from Oxford. Oh gosh, I don't know. I'm gonna have to. Have to Google that. Anyway, they created a complex computer mo- model to mimic the chemical diffusion through the leopard uh, throughout leopard growth, and they found that the concentration of the diffusing chemicals in the skin determines the exact markings of an adult leopard. So, for all of us, including me, who wondered what complex math- mathematical equations are good for in real life, I mean, this was my constant okay. question. Well, throughout. Turing was Princeton, then King's College, Cambridge, Cambridge, oh, then Sherburne, Sherborne, and Institute for Advanced. Okay, well, that's a bit of a rivalry right cambridge and oxford yeah anyway the most recent one okay so you know i spent my entirety of my calculus 2 class wondering with why i would ever use this kind of math but apparently you can use it to understand things like how leopards get their spots amazing yeah so for me it's a great example of how math really does govern everything even if you're not necessarily working equations to determine why your calico cat is more brown than black wow you gotta really love you do so what governs the deposition of the morphogens in the skin of the leopard the answer could lie with a common house cat and how their markings come about. To examine feline pattern development, a group out of Stanford University, led by Christopher Kalin, used cats to explore the developmental patterns on members of uh, of the cat family, the whole family. So remember their family felidae, which includes house cats, leopards, panthers. Felines. Yeah. Uh, the study was published in Nature Communications in September of 2021. So previous research had showed that the mammalian skin and hair uh, melanocytes are uniformly distributed during development and that the type and amount of melanin eventually produced by these cells is based on the signaling in individual hair follicles. So a melanocyte is a cell that produces melanin and is usually found at the bottom layer of the skin epidermis. And melanin is the dark pigment primarily responsible for skin color. And does that change if you get a lot of sunlight? Like if you get a tan? Yes, that that's melanin. Okay, it's melanin. But leopards don't tan. So interesting, okay. when leopards, the spots stay throughout the entirety of the cat's life in the same spot. So the sk- cells in the skin and hair follicles in the leopards continually produce the same type and amount of melanin throughout life so that the pattern grows along with the leopard. Are humans the only species that tan? That's a really good question. I don't know. So we're not the only ones that change shade, but we might be the only ones that what you would call tan. So while you're looking that up, uh, this paper defined the stages of pattern definition in feline as follows. So first, there's the establishment of the pattern element identity in, a fetal, in the fetus. There's implementation of pattern morphology or shape by signaling in the hair follicles. And there's maintenance of pattern identity and morphology during growth. So essentially, 
The pattern gets established in the fetus. The pattern gets implemented by signaling in the hair follicles. And then there's maintenance of that pattern and what it looks like and its shape during growth. What the research team set out to do is to look deeper into what drives the development of the pattern in fetal cats as a model platform of pattern development in the Felidae family, which includes leopards. The group took fetal cat skin and, I'm, I'm sorry, animal lovers, they did test on animals, though these were recovered from spay and neutering operations of feral cats in animal clinics. So they didn't like, you know, grow kitties or anything for Mm. research. And they used single cell gene expression to track what genes and pathways were involved in the development of patterns. And specifically, they looked in tabby cats, the orange ones. Oh, which are featured in the Amazing Children series, the tales of dog and cat. What are you talking about? The ones that that are kid-like. Oh. Dog man. Dog man. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Those are tabby cats. The team discovered that some of our favorite signaling molecules are involved in the process of deciding what patterns in cats look like. And now you might be thinking you don't have a favorite signaling molecule, but I assure you, you do, because we've talked about this particular type of molecule before. So the process starts very early in development where DKK4 expressing keratinocytes or skin cells decide early which skin cells will become lighter or darker. And DKK4 is part of the Wnt signaling pathway. And we've seen Wnt signaling before in the episode on cashmere. Might be tempted to think that Wnt signaling is somehow linked just to luxury goods. I mean, we have cashmere, we have leopard, but we have to remember that correlation does not equal causation. In this case, the Wnts are very common signaling molecules that are involved in many biological processes that span across species. As in W-I-N-T. No, W-N-T. Wint. Wint. Yeah, yeah. So the takeaway here is that genetics are heavily involved in the markings of the family Felidae, and it happens very early in life and is set for the entirety of the cat's life. This may seem obvious, but it's not how colorings and markings work for all animals, as we were just discussing with the tanning in humans. For example, in fish, additional pattern elements can develop as the fish grow, and in cephalopods, octopus and cuttlefish, they have pigment cells that can change in flux depending on the stimuli. Mm. So there's a lot of different ways that coloring can happen in nature. I did find out, however, that animals can indeed suffer from skin burn, but animals seem to have a much stronger response to repairing genetic damage caused by the sun. Yeah, that would make sense. Yes, and in some cases actually create secretions that mimic a type of UV blocking uh, material. Cool. Like get you saw. That's just skin burn. That's not really tanning. Like, do there's do they change the melanin in their skin based on their on sun exposure? I think that's no. The... From what I can tell, I haven't seen any evidence of that for just regular animals. Mm. Instead, they have regular. An- we're regular animals. We're too. regular animals too. <laughs> Other animals. <laughs> <laughs> like piglets. Ah, oh, piglets, so cute. They have. Um, they grow hair. Yeah. Okay. So back to our leopards. So I said at the beginning, leopards are a threatened species. This was initially because of overhunting, either due to the market for fur or because they are predators who will take advantage of agricultural animals being housed nearby. Now most of the loss of the population is due to infringement on habitat. A study in 2019 by Tariq Mahmoud et al. published in PLOS One found a 69% range contraction for snow leopards in Central and South Asia. This includes the loss of snow leopards on 408 protected areas in Asia. And the authors indicate that the maps they generate 
generated could be used for rewilding projects that would seek to not only protect current leopard populations, but also restore lost populations. Because just having protected areas is obviously not doing enough if they lost the snow leopards out of 408 of those protected areas. I think leopards tend to be pretty solitary, so they need a wide uh, habitat range. Yeah. Yeah. But now for some fun science. So we've, we've talked about how the leopards get their spots, right? Yeah. But we haven't talked about why they have spots in the first place. No. What I do you think? do not recall. To help them camouflage themselves and make hunting easier. Yeah. So a paper published in 2010 in Protocols of Biological Science by Alan et al. examined the variation in camouflage patterns in felines. The team found the attributes of their markings, spots, stripes, etc., related to the specific cat's habitats. How much the cats were in trees, uh, Arborality. There's a room. There's a word for that. Like corporality. No, arborality. Arborality. Like for tree. <laughs> wow. So so, how much time this cat spent in the trees as part of mm. their life, and how nocturnal the cats were. In my case, it would be popcornality. Uh-huh. Interestingly, they found it, that the camouflage shifts to adapt to ecology over a relatively short time. So if the cat's habitat changes, within a couple generations, you'll start seeing the patterns change. Hmm. So basically, leopards have spots to help them hunt. It may seem like the pattern stands out to our eyes, but in their natural habitat, they're very well camouflaged for their usual prey. This brings up something we were talking about before. There's a scientific reason that we can see that pattern so well. In a study published in Frontiers of Psychology in 2021 by Koss et al. The researchers examined the behavior of 213 infants exposed to jars with leopard rosettes and snake scales compared to geometric plaid. Hey, old friend, plaid. Plaid, <laughs> always in science. And plain. The infants interacted more with the snake scale and leopard rosette jars compared to the plaid or plain and gazed significantly longer at the snake and leopard jars as well. The authors hypothesized that the biological patterns might be indicative of visual processing known to be involved in snake recognition. So maybe we can see these patterns so well because they represent danger to us and we've evolved to be able to spot them easily. That's why if you want to stand out, you'll wear a good snake skin or leopard print. And the children, they will gaze at you. They will. They might even come over and try to play with you. Mm-hmm. As a counterpoint, research published in 2018 in Evolutionary Psychology by Shabir et al. showed that non-threatening patterns that were repetitive elicited similar attention-grabbing properties in adults as did the animal pattern. So perhaps we've evolved to respond to repetitive patterns as a way to identify threats back when our main threats were animal in origin. Hmm. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Like. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting this connection that something that's become popular in fashion, a leopard print or an animal print in general, is tied into our evolutionary biology. Like the reason we like it so much is because we've be- evolved to be able to recognize it, but has has since apparently ceased to elicit that danger signal in us. <laughs> Are there other things that we look at that we are immediately recognizing as, as dangerous or important? I don't know. They didn't have that in the, any of the articles that I read. Hmm. There's got to be more than just leopard prints and snake prints. Well, the one article um, hypothesized that it's repetitive pattern. Okay. So anything that's a repetitive pattern will be hmm. attention grabbing. Yeah. Yeah. Like plaid. Like plaid. Mm. But apparently plaid's not as good as leopard print or snake scales if you're a baby. I wonder why the Scots didn't decide to like wear leopard print. Maybe they weren't kilts. leopards in Scotland. <laughs> I guess plaid was the second best choice. <laughs> there hey, was. You know? Um, so in summary, leopards have spots to camouflage themselves while hunting. These spots are present from birth in the skin. The responsible cells are called melanocytes, which produce melanin complex signaling is involved in this melanin production. Though the spots change to rosettes as 
as the leopard grows, the location of the spots never change. And humans easily recognize and respond to leopard as an evolutionary adaptation to be able to see harm coming. So our glossary for today, you want to know what words we learned today? I want to learn. Okay, so do you remember what a melanocyte is? Yes, it's a cell that changes color. Right, well, it produces melanin. Melanin. And then melanin is the color, right? Yes. A darker black pig dark brown or black pigment occurring in hair skin. Greek word for ink. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting. So do you want morphology is? Yes, it's the Greek word for the shape of something. Well, yes. Morphology is a branch of biology dealing with the form of living organisms and relationships between their structure. The word morpheus comes. How about morphogens? Hmm, things that make a shape. They're signaling molecules that act over long distances to induce responses in cells. And a signaling pathway is a series of chemical reactions in which a group of molecules in a cell work together to control a cell function. Because we talk about signaling pathways quite a bit on this hmm, podcast. We do. Do you want to know some fun cocktail party facts? Absolutely. So, I need some. Yeah, for our next cocktail party. Ready? Mm-hmm. So leopards can run up to 36 miles per hour. Yep. The oldest leopard fossil is from Europe and is approximately 600,000 years old. Leopards don't actually change their spots. You know, that's an old adage. A, uh, a leopard can't change its spots. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Yeah, similar meaning. But in this case, actually true. They can't change their spots. Okay. And unlike other animals, leopard coloring doesn't adapt or change. And since we are recording on Valentine's Day, I have a Valentine's Day fun fact for you. Oh, cool. Yeah, tell me more. Your heart pumps around 2,000 gallons of blood a day. Yes. Whoa. That's a busy organ. Yes. We should probably then use this as a reminder to donate blood. Yeah, and take care of your heart. It's working really hard. <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed exploring leopard print with me and Demos, and I hope you remember a little fun fact from this episode the next time you see a leopard print. Thanks for listening to this episode of Luxi. A very special thank you to my audio engineer and co-host Demos. Our theme music is Harlequin Mood by Birdie. If you have a correction, comment, or suggestion for a topic, you can reach me at drlex at luxi.com or on Twitter and Instagram at luxipod, and our website is luxi.podcastpage.io. Please subscribe. 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 Please subscribe to the podcast and please leave a review and a special request for this week. If you like us, send a text right now to a friend who you think would also enjoy the show. See you again in two weeks.